As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. On this edition of the Cup Stock Podcast, brought to you by Wintrust Home of Cups, checking with free ATMs nationwide. Gordon Wittenmeyer, Maddie Lee, Tim Stebbins, and I discuss the fallout from the Jacob Blake shooting in Kenosha, the decision by Jason Hayward and other Major League Baseball players of color to not play, but the Cubs playing their game against Detroit. Plus, we give you our thoughts on where the team is at this point in the season. Let's play two. Back, 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 back. Way back, it might be, it could be, it is. Holy cow! The fly, he scores! Cup win, cup win. Ball game over! Cubs win! Cubs win! Welcome to another edition of our Cubs Talk podcast. I'm sure this will be thought-provoking as always, but maybe more serious a topic than just bad bullpens and lack of timely hitting. Uh, Our guests on it, our Cubs content team of Maddie Lee, Tim Stevens, and Gordon Wittenmeyer. Our producers are Jeff Nelson and Tony Gill. I'm David Kaplan. So... Yesterday was a historic day in professional sports. It started with the Milwaukee Bucks, who are 60 miles from Kenosha, Wisconsin, electing to not play their NBA playoff game. It led to the NBA postponing all the playoff games. We learned about an hour ago that the playoffs will indeed be resuming. We also had, I believe, three Major League Baseball games, including the Brewers-Reds game in Milwaukee, that were postponed as well. Jason Hayward sat out for the Cubs. He was very emotional when he met with David Ross. He then talked with his team and said, "Uh, you guys go out and play. I just need to do this. But he was in uniform and he was with the team. And I'll start with you, Gordon. What did you think of the Cubs' decision to go ahead and play when Jason sat out? I thought it was kind of tone deaf, to be honest with you. Um, These guys uh, talked – in July as, as training camp went on and, and leading up to the opener about uh, not only, you know, obviously the pandemic and the protocols and everything, but uh, in, the, in the wake of uh, George Floyd's killing, they had, they talked about a lot of very candid, open discussions uh, among the group and, um, and uh, we're talking about being unified behind Black Lives Matter um, and, and their teammates that, that live this reality of being black in America every day. And they, Rizzo, for one, um, spoke on a Zoom session in tandem with Hayward and, and was emotional about it. And I thought that if, 
if Hayward, I, I would have thought that if Hayward made a decision of conscience uh, like this, that his teammates would have followed. He said there were multiple teammates that said they didn't feel comfortable playing without him. And he told them, you know, you, you need to, don't do it for me. Um, you should play. He encouraged them to play, but he, but there was, he also said he encouraged them to do what they felt was right. And I, I would have thought they would have come together and it would, I wouldn't have thought it would have taken the extra time that some suggested was involved that the Brewers had an extra hour and the West Coast teams had more time to think about it and see how things played out. It shouldn't have mattered what anybody else was doing. And they should have felt the gravity of the moment in the moment. And, and I was actually kind of disappointed in the group. Maddie? I'm not going to pretend like I know what it would be like to sit in a, in a locker room or in a clubhouse and hear that my – teammate didn't want to play and have to make the decision. All right, are we going to do this as a team? Um, but I think if we make the discussion, if we get too in the weeds about who's playing and who's not, then we're missing the point of what Jason Hayward and so many other athletes did yesterday, whether or not their teammates join them in it. The point is that, unarmed black men and women keep getting shot by the police. And obviously it's, it's a miracle that Jacob Blake is still alive after being shot seven times in the back. But that's the point that, that is really trying, these athletes are really trying to get across. I mean, the, you talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, they put out a, statement with very specific demands. They don't want this just to be a nebulous, oh, we're fighting for racial injustice, which they are, but they want actual change that you can see, that you can measure. And so that's, that's why they've gotten involved. I think the Bucks said like, hey, look, we've seen so many people lend their voices to this cause and nothing is changing. So we can't let sports be a distraction from this, we're doing something right now. Tim? Yeah, uh, like Maddie, I mean, I don't want to sit here and act like I know what it's like to be in that locker room and have to make that decision. But I think uh, echoing Gordon, it, it was pretty disappointing because no matter how much time you had before first pitch, I feel just like if I were in their shoes, which again, I'm not, so maybe this is contradictory, but the moment, you know, Jason Hayward you know, your teammate, your friend, your brother decides not to play. I feel like in that moment, it should be a no-brainer. And going back to what Gordon said about, you know, unity and, and they're all, you know, their family, their brothers. And the moment that decision comes up, everyone should be on the same page, I feel like. And everyone should feel, no, like we need to support them. We need to do this because this is the right thing to do. And that was a little disappointing to me. So my question is, so what is the end game? So if, I, if we go to work and a teammate of ours, are not, we're not professional athletes, somebody we work with in the newsroom says, I'm not working today. Is the whole newsroom expected to not work today? Is Bob's Pizza Shop, if someone says, I'm not working today out of respect for what happened? Well, Cap, Cap, you, you can't draw that comparison. These guys have a platform. If it's you, if it's somebody – in the media who's got a certain uh, voice or, or celebrity level that reaches many in society, then, then maybe that there's a comparison there. But 
uh, a newsroom full Kenny, of people that Kenny nobody walked knows. off the broadcast, the TNT exactly. broadcast last night. Yeah, right. so Jack and and Charles did not. Right, but okay, you know, look, I'll 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 point out something that's bothered me since opening day. Actually, since the since day two of the season, Major League Baseball got behind this. And I I don't want to call it a movement. It, it's it's but the the concerns of players that were were coming up the the players that were speaking out they got behind the issue and they got with the players and came up with patches for the uniforms and black lives matter baseball logo that they stenciled on the back of the mound and they had the ribbon that ran from foul pole to foul pole and both teams holding it and and they they supported the expression the next day it was over the next day, there were some, still some patches. There was the occasional Black Lives Matter t-shirt during batting practice. The ribbon was gone, and even the stenciled logo on the back of the mound was gone, replaced by a hefty trash bag ad. And we haven't heard boo from baseball on this until now, since then. And what bothers me about that is that that happens, that's what you fear happens when the establishment sanctions the anti-establishment voice. And so what, what the end game is or what the next step is, is getting out of the way is when Colin Kaepernick takes a knee, if it's the NFL, don't blackball the guy. That's his voice. If somebody in baseball wants to speak up on something uncomfortable, deal with what's uncomfortable. The only way these things change is if people in comfort zones who don't have to think about it get uncomfortable. That's the only way real change has ever been made on, on issues like this, on social issues. So that's, that's what I think needs to happen. So when we talk about Kenny Smith walking off the set and the other guys don't, that's part of it. One guy's, I don't know if you saw Chris Weber's video. That was very moving. He, he had something to say, so he said it. Doc Rivers had something very important to say, and he said it. If you have something to say, then your voice should be heard. If you choose to play and, you're, and that's not who you are, then that should be okay too. But that, that's where we need to get to next before we can think that's about my, real change. That's my point. Do we look at a Cubs player or pick any team that played last night, Cardinals? Do we look at them and go, well, I, I can't look at that guy the same way because he played? Because I don't. Because I, as Tim said and Maddie said, I'm not a teammate in that locker room. I don't have the relationship with Jason Hayward that it appears Anthony Rizzo does. So I don't look at Riz any differently than I did before because he played last night. Do you? Matt, Me? Matt, oh. any of you? No. I mean, I, I, think, I think what's important right now is, is letting every, everyone in that locker room, everyone in that clubhouse, everyone in the – in all of the sports right now that we see these protests going on, even us, I mean, you have to evaluate yourself and see how you can make the biggest change. I mean, we as an industry need to evaluate ourselves as well. I mean, we've got three white men and one Asian woman talking about issues that, that are disproportionately affecting black men and women. And that's, that's the industry. We have, a long way to go 
in diversity within sports media. And so when these things happen, we have a lot of white male voices being amplified when I think for me personally, what I see as my role in all of this is amplifying black voices, listening, and, you know, writing about Jason Hayward, letting his voice carry his story. And so I think that's what all of us in sports and this industry and really in this country need to do is take a look at ourselves, make sure that we're listening to people who are affected and making change and pushing forward progress in the best way that we have with our tools and our experience. Tim, Jordan. Yeah. Amen. Amen to that. We need to look in the mirror too for our role in this. Not, not just in being an activist voice or a, or a vehicle for somebody's voice, but also our role in perpetuating the problem. Um, and, and uh, you know, to, uh, we get down to this. This is, this is not, uh, you know, we talk about Black Lives Matter or we talk about the, the, the violence and the police shootings. This is not a black problem. This is a white problem. It's, it's a this, this is a white perspective issue. It's, it's, that's where the problem starts and, and continues and has, and has been the case for hundreds of years. It's the story of our country. And, and we, we fail not only to recognize it oftentimes uh, from a white perspective, but we also fail to teach our kids. And we've, we've failed for generations in that regard. And uh, it's not that hard to teach history and to teach accuracy and, and, and we fail. So part of that's part of what we do in our business, right? Is, is uh, part of what we do literally is write history as journalists. Now we're, we're, we're just sports writers, but, uh, but it, it's on us to get it right. So if Jason Hayward stood in front of that locker room and he's this wonderfully eloquent, amazing guy who signs this monster contract has a horrifically bad year offensively, doesn't take that on the field with him, has a legendary meeting, plays a key role in them winning the World Series. These guys develop, as John Lester called last night, we are a family in here. If he stood in front, none of us were in that meeting, he stood in front and said, I want you guys to play. You guys don't think that that should carry weight and that they should have still sat out? Well, he didn't. He said that, but he – that wasn't the entirety of his message, at least as he relayed it to us last night. Um, he, he, there was also a sense, and, and Maddie, correct me if I'm wrong, because uh, I know you, you listen and ask some of these questions and, and wrote about it too. Am, am I wrong on that? Did, did he not say at some point that there was, you know, do what you think is right was part I, of, the, I, part I don't of his message? Put, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he, there was definitely a, a sense of like, don't feel obligated to not play because I'm not playing. Don't not play because you feel weird that I'm not playing. You know, I, I can only tell you what I'm going to do essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there was some nuance there, Kat. Tim, as you watch this, does that change your perspective at all? When you hear, I was reading a bunch of different things this morning before I went on the radio. And one of the things was that, we are family in here. Jason, D David Ross said it. Jason urged us to go play. Does that change your perspective at all, or there's nuance there? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I, I definitely think 
I mean, it's a tough spot, right? Like, he's telling you play, but he's also telling you, like, as Maddie's saying, the sense of don't feel like you have to sit out just because I am. And that's kind of going back to what I said originally, where I would have just hoped that regardless in that moment, whether, you know, what he's saying or maybe or he's kind of, you know, giving that sense of don't feel like you have to sit out. I just felt like I, I would have hoped the larger group would have just come together and thought, no, we'll sit out. Like that's, that's like an ideal situation in an ideal world, I guess in my shoes, that's what would have transpired, but it's such a difficult moment and it's easy for me to sit here and say that, but I, I kind of I think there is the nuance to it, but it, we, we, if I'm there and I, I just would have hoped that, yeah, they would have all come together and sat out, but there was definitely some nuance to it. Yeah. I read the Detroit free press article where Ron Gardenhire said, if, you know, guys like Nico Goodrum, Cameron Maven had said, Hey, we want all of us to sit out. We would have sat out, but they said, no, we're, we want to play. We're baseball players. We're playing. And so, uh, Maven said he went out, met with Jason Kipnis briefly. They hugged. They'd been teammates before. And then let's go. Let's play. This is what we do. So That's interesting because Maven's part of the Players Alliance, the, the group of uh, 120-plus current and former black players um, that um, formed for, for social justice and, and, uh, and equality within baseball and black communities um, in, the, in the wake of the George Floyd killing. And uh, he's he's one of the he's one of the players along with Hayward and Hayward Hayward cited kind of his responsibility and his in his in his promise um, as as a member of the Players Alliance. Yeah, Garden Hire said our players decided we were going to play together as a unit here with an understanding of what's going on in this world and this country. We got to fix these things. We're all part of it. We all have each other's backs in here, and we talked about that part of it in our clubhouse. It's a tough day. It was really hard. But decisions were made by our guys. We are going to play. If they had asked us to stand with them, and the players said, don't play tonight, we would have done it. That's just who we are. But our guys all talked, and we wanted to play. And the first position player to step on the field to represent the Tigers last night was 33-year-old Cameron Maben, a 14-year MLB veteran. His teammates looked to him for leadership. Five minutes later, one of his teammates joined him. They then went out. Maven spoke with Jason Kipnis. Three minutes after that, the national anthem began, and they said, we're playing. So interesting perspectives from different guys. Yeah, it's obviously a very personal decision. And, I mean, um, you also saw how powerful it was for uh, Mookie Betts said, I was never going to play. And he went in and talked to his manager and his teammates, and they're like, all right, we're not either. And that that was also a powerful moment. Um, I, just, I just don't want to get away from the point of all this, you know, and I think the NBA did a really good job of articulating exactly what, what demands that they had as, you know, the bucks specifically uh, since it's so close to home and, and that's what really set off the movement. And so I think if, if anyone's going to take anything from this, I'd rather it be like, hey, look at this, this unifying force across different sports. I mean, you, the NBA, the WNBA, uh, Major League Soccer, and then and baseball as well. You know, it, it was a very quick 
movement, you know, starting at when were the Bucks scheduled to play like three or something like that. And it spread across sports across the country so quickly. And so I think that's, if, if sports fans are going to take anything away, I think that's what I'd want them to see is, is this unifying moment across sports and across cultures and, and nationalities and, you know, uh, NBA and Major League Baseball are full of international players as well, and Major League Soccer obviously as well. Nico, so, said, go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, that that's that that's about it. The player not to play for me. It's what's going to impact most. Said Nico Goodrum, a person of color. Me not playing today is that going to spark a change? It was different things we had to think about. I decided to play. I support the guys that didn't, and I support all the guys that did. I think what, what Maddie was saying is a great, great point. I mean, this is, you know, it, it's really interesting. All across sports, we saw it, and it, and it was like wildfire. It, it happened quickly, and, and a, lot of it, a lot of it was organic, right? It felt organic. And that, when we're sitting here talking about which teams decided to play or not play as, as whole units, we're talking about it. We're talking about it the next day. I mean, if you wanted to draw attention to this, Mission accomplished. That that happened yesterday. We're we were going to talk about the the Cubs at the halfway point and, and talk about baseball, and we're talking about this today instead. And it and it doesn't it doesn't matter that this team chose to or that team didn't. They all made decisions and and, and for themselves. And I think that the the one of the messages to take out of this, or one of maybe one of the hopes to take out of this, is that look, we Rizzo said it himself, right? Rizzo. Rizzo, uh, uh, who, whose alma mater got shot up in that Parkland shooting, took time away from spring training and went down there. And he got emotional drawing, drawing a, a, a connection between that and this and, and, and the lack of change that's happened on, on both fronts. Um, and we, we've seen the failure of our leaders over and over and over again or, or people in, in other positions of power. Maybe, maybe sports is so big in our culture right now that it can reach some people that haven't been reached. Maybe there's a message here if enough people in sports stand up and say, damn it, we're not going to entertain you uh, just because you want to be entertained. There's some real things that, that are happening in our lives, and, and uh, those need to be addressed. You need to be aware of them. And maybe sports is, is at a place right now in our culture where it's powerful enough to make a difference. Here is – Cubs manager David Ross after the game on Wednesday night when he addressed the media on a Zoom call of just what went into the decision. I had multiple players after after I spoke to Jason. Um, we addressed the team. Um, you know, he said in my office, I, I, I don't want I don't want, you know, these guys to have to follow me. I, I this is a decision I have to make and I, I, and I, I opened the floor um, to the group and let him speak. Um, and then, you know, players start flooding in, 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 in my office and, and then in the, in the dugout. And it's, it was a, you know, I went back and asked him again, just like, I just need to, to just talk it out a little more. Um, and he was pretty adamant about having the guys play and, and where he was at and, um, and his decision. And, you know, it's, it's a, uh, is a thing that that talking to most. I mean, all the way up till I mean, probably five minutes before 
game time. This is like guys are guys. They're all talking and and about and trying to do what's best for for everybody. And it like Jason said, there's no there's no handbook. There's no I, I'm I I literally told the guys I don't know. I will stand by all you guys with with whatever we decide, and and support Jason is number one and um and he wanted us to play and so that's what we did. It, David, just as someone who's known Jason Hayward a, a really long time, what sort of I don't know, empathy or sympathy do you feel at a, a time like this of not knowing exactly what he's going through, but obviously identifying really closely with him over the years? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's – yeah, I can't even imagine what he's going through. So you guys were listening to David – be very emotional. It certainly seems like, and, and it was the same way when Joe was there as well. This isn't just a Rossi issue. This club is very much a family. You've got a core of guys that came up together, won a World Series together. It seems like the Cubs clubhouse is a pretty solid place. Gordon, you've been around it the most of all of us because you traveled with them. Would you agree with that? No question. Uh, exhibit A is the fact that they haven't had a positive coronavirus test yet uh, because they've all bought in, and that, and that was from day one. They're, they're a group that definitely cares about one another. Nine of them, plus the manager, 10, were all on that team in 2016 that won a championship. They all came up, many of them, through the minors together. And, uh, and so, yes, they're, they're, they're as cohesive a group as probably there is in baseball. Jason Hayward met the media as well, along with Anthony Rizzo. Rizzo was very direct, said, I'm sorry for having to curse, but this is the truth. Here's Anthony Rizzo and his teammate, Jason Hayward, after the Cubs 7-6 loss in Detroit. Hey, Riz, how, uh, how close did you guys come to not playing tonight? Um, I uh, I don't know how close it was. I mean, uh, listen, you see Jay Hay and, and one of our teammates, one of our brothers, and uh, him, say, him saying something is not easy to us, for us, for him to say something to us. It has to be so hard. And you just see the pain, man. It, it's, it's so real. And it's, it was tough. It's, uh, it's didn't, it kind of felt weird, but. Uh, Jay wanted us to play. He was encouraging us to play. So we went out there and we played a, played a baseball game. Riz, was, was it tough to play the game? Was it on your mind? And uh, do you know if it was on your teammates' mind during the game? Or were you able to kind of put it in the back of your mind, get it out of there? I think before the game, it's definitely on your mind. But I think as a professional, when you step between those lines, I mean – speak for myself, but I've, I've trained myself. When I'm between those lines, it's time to play baseball no matter what's going on in the world. Um, so, uh, you turn off for the game, and then when you turn back off, it's, it comes around the forefront. Did you have any direct talks with any of the Tiger players about postponing this game? No, it kind of came up late, and we just had our own internal talks. And uh, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. It's uh, – you know, it's it's just an unfortunate situation. Anthony, did you get the feeling that this this other incident is punctuated the emotional rawness for Jason Hayward? Absolutely, for for the whole community. 
you know, for a lot of us, for just a lot of people. It's just, you know, I, I've gone through a lot with my high school and it doesn't change. And it's just the fact of the matter. Politicians don't really give a fuck about us. All they care about is their own agenda. And this is, this is just the way it is. And it's, it's upsetting. And I'm sorry to use that language and, and go off, but it's just, it's, it's upsetting. I decided to let my teammates know that I couldn't go out there and play tonight. No, it was happening. Um, I told them it wasn't a, for certain, I can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. I can't tell you what's going to happen the next day, but tonight I need to be a part of what was going on in my community. And I had full support from them, teammates, coaching staff, everyone. You know, I encouraged them to go out there and play the game tonight. I didn't want anyone to sit here and say, no, we don't need to play the game. You know, I can only tell them what I was going to do and, and lead that way. Was there any discussion, maybe among some of the other guys, about not playing as a team? There was discussion, and, and there were multiple guys saying they weren't comfortable going out there and playing if I wasn't going to go out there. They didn't want to leave me hanging. And, you know, I let them know, encourage them, no, go, go play the game. I don't think the game should be canceled, but I think I have to do what I have to do. And that's another reason that I was out there in the dugout supporting them because they support me every single day through this. And, you know, I'm right there with them fighting the fight. we got a season going on. We're playing baseball. There, there's so many things that are going on, obviously, that are not per normal um, as we've continued to talk about. But I needed to be there with them tonight, and, and they were there supporting me. So you guys heard from Ross. You guys have heard from Jay Hay, and you heard – from Anthony Rizzo. Any final thoughts on this topic before we take a time out, Tim? I think I think how, you know, David Ross, I think how he – you heard how his emotional he was, but I think how he ended his press conference, I think that's the final thought. He said this isn't the end of the conversation. You know, this is this is only a step in it, and I think that's that's the biggest thing that I can add to this right now. Maddie? Yeah, I think when we're having conversations about about change and about systematic change, we have to keep in mind that what the players here are calling for is systematic change. It's not they're not vilifying all police officers. Many of them have police officers who are family members. Um, and there are plenty of good cops who are making differences in their communities. But you also can't say this is a case of some bad apples. You know, it's a systematic issue that is leading to unnecessary deaths of disproportionately black men and women. And it's that system that they're calling for the change. All right, let's take a time out. We'll come back and talk a little bit about where this team is now having dropped two of three to the Tigers, two of three to the White Sox, lose three straight at home to the Brewers. Quick timeout. We'll come right back. This is our Cubs Talk podcast brought to you by Wintrust, home of Cubs, checking with free ATMs nationwide. Be right back. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. 
See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back on our Cubs Talk podcast brought to you by Wintrust, home of Cubs checking with free ATMs nationwide with Maddie Lee, Tim Stevens, Gordon Wittenmeyer. I'm David Kaplan. So the Cubs win their first game against the Brewers. They lose three straight. The White Sox roll in, beat the brakes off them, two out of three. And I mean, they're hitting moonshots all weekend long. And then they go to play in Detroit against a really lousy Tigers team, and they lose two of three there and their bullpen flat out is not good so where is this team headed I know they're in a lousy division Gordon I know they're in first place but you cannot look at that team and tell me that's got championship aspirations because no, I, I, I'll, I'll say that. where they're headed they're headed to the playoffs I mean 18 and 12 halfway through uh, they could go 12 and 18 the rest of the way and still make the playoffs uh, they got to get they got to win the division though they have to put themselves in a position to be uh, one of the top two or three seeds because they have to be opposite the Dodgers to have any chance at all of advancing. I will say this. Look, they don't have enough pitching. We thought thought that coming in. There's no reason to think that they're going to go out and get a difference maker at the trade deadline. I don't even know if those exist, and they certainly don't with the resources the Cubs are dealing with. Their lineup is banged up, and parts of it are slumping. Um, That may come around by the end. So they'll get there. We'll see what kind of shape they're in when they get there. The one thing to keep your eye on, if you Darvish keeps pitching like he is, and if he stays healthy, they can, they can be anybody in any short series for sure and maybe have a chance in that seven-game series. Matty? Uh, Gordon, you mentioned the trade deadline, and both you wrote about this and Tommy Hadovy at the beginning of the season joked about, like, hey, maybe we'll get Quintana back at the trade deadline again. And – I think that's going to be the biggest difference maker in the second half. You know, offense will come and go just like it did in the first half. We've seen these, you know, the starting rotation put together some really great performances and then also have some duds. Obviously, you Darvish has been a stud all the way through, but Quintana is back. He's at right now, as of right now, is adding a left-handed arm to the bullpen, but he wants to start, and it'll be interesting to see how they shuffle around that rotation. No matter what, the bullpen is going to get a bit of a boost, whether it's from Quintana or from Chatwood, for example, as they move that around, unless they do go to a uh, six-man rotation. But pitching help has come, and I think the rest will take care of itself. And uh, that expanded playoffs certainly does help. Tim, I watched that bullpen last night. I don't disagree with Gordon that they're going to make the playoffs. That bullpen is absolutely awful. Awful. And that offense is so freaking spotty that they may go out tomorrow and score 12 runs. They may go three straight games where they score one. How is this team so up and freaking down? That it's- is this rehearsal for your next recap? Yes. It just drives me insane. We, we can talk about the bullpen, and I think, I think the last week and a half or so, they have an ERA above five, so that's totally fair. But you said the offense, like, we're talking about pitching. Okay, we're talking about pitching depth concern. That's been the case going in. 
they were winning games early because their pitching was doing well and they were winning a lot of close games. But I think you look at the Cubs-White Sox series last week and you see a tale of two teams. The White Sox have nobody in their lineup. It didn't seem like they had a hole in their lineup. Everyone, one through eight, one through nine, was pretty much mashing. And whereas the Cubs, it seems like everyone's slumping at the same time. Maybe take Ian Happ out of that, but even his average dipped down to, I think it was in the 260s entering yesterday on, on uh, Wednesday. So, yeah, like your pitching depths are a concern, but you were winning a lot of close games when it, they were doing well. So you need these guys, David Ross said. they really playing, Tim? Look but, at their schedule. And that's what I'm saying. If you're not – they haven't been hitting. David Ross said, said it this week. He said, we're going to live and die with our core guys. So, okay, Bryant's out, and maybe he comes back and he's reinvigorated, he's, he's healthy. But Javi needs to keep hitting, and he's kind of getting there. Contreras is maybe running to some bad luck, but his average is 220. Rizzo's got a good on base, but he's not really hitting. Like, those guys need to hit, and if it doesn't matter what the pitching does. If they're going to go out and leave six guys on base and go one for six with runners in scoring position, okay, well, pitching is going to be an issue, but if you're not hitting, then that's it. Maddie? Yeah, I mean, a lot – you look at the guys that Tim just mentioned, and most of them are right-handed hitters. Obviously, Rizzo is not, but they've been – awful against left-handed pitching. So that's why I'm chuckling to myself over here as he's naming those guys off. Um, That certainly needs to change. They can't just come to a grinding halt every time, you know, even a left-hander comes in from the bullpen. Uh, But yeah, I mean, for a first place, for a team that's first in their division, they certainly have a lot of holes to patch up. I will say we would have taken 18 and 12 at the halfway mark. Wouldn't, wouldn't we cap that? That's ahead of the pace that you predicted. Um, the thing to watch is they, they've got seven games left against Pittsburgh and seven left against Cincinnati, which ha- is, is slumping right now. In fact, that's the next team they'll face. The, the stretch that, that might make or break what this team is, they finish the season with eight out of 12 against Cleveland, Minnesota, and the White Sox to finish the season. So it'll be, uh, it'll be an entertaining finish one way or another, intriguing finish one way or another. I don't know about entertaining. We'll find out. Hopefully more entertaining than the last White Sox series. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, that was like watching a NASA mission as these moonshots get – it was <laughs> – holy smokes. Do you guys think they do anything of consequence at the deadline? Because Theo's been pretty honest. Our financial situation – basically really, really struggling. They just, right, what do you uh, say? They're, they're not dreaming on, on about any of those big, big-time moves, something yeah, along those yeah. lines. I think that's so, I think if you're, if you're betting on it, just really across the league, probably better to play it safe and, and, uh, and predict that they're not going to do anything massive just because, I mean, it's so tough with the way that, I mean, you're seeing layoffs across the league. I don't know if that will directly change anyone's decisions, but it does look bad to if you're going to, you know, lay off a bunch of your a bunch of your staff and then spend big money on a big time player. Um, it's tough. I mean, this this pandemic has just hit so many so many people and so many teams hard financially. The market is so unpredictable at this point. I'd say probably no big time move. Probably you're going to look at at a little, you know, tweaking here and there, maybe adding some depth in South Bend. But you know, it'd be it'd be fun if they brought 
made made some big moves and brought someone new in. Yeah, well, the other the other side of it is there's way more buyers than sellers, and uh, the Yankees are among them. Uh, they're they're aggressively going after pitching, um, and uh, you you just you also can't uh, trade anybody that's not on your 60 man pool, uh, except as a player to be named later. And that even that's kind of risky because these are guys that haven't played or been scouted this year. Yeah. So Walker was just traded while we're on the air. He's going from the Mariners to the blue Jays. Yeah. I saw that was close. They had Taiwan Walker in, uh, in camp uh, on a, on a, on a tryout and, and, and decided not to make him an offer back then. So, so that's where we're at. Right. A guy that the a guy that the freaking Cubs turned down in spring training is getting traded now uh, with the idea that he might be able to help somebody. That's where we are this season in pitching. The amazing thing is, people have no idea how close the Cubs came before the pandemic to trading for Nolan Arenado. It was to the point I was told where ownership had had discussions, and then it fell through at the last. Well, that that wouldn't have done a damn thing for him because they need pitching. Uh, hold on a second, Gordon. You're getting Chris Bryant hitting a buck, whatever. You would have had Nolan freaking Arenado at third. Please don't tell me it would have done nothing. Arenado's not hitting either, though, and he's got Coors Field. Last I checked, I do these power rankings for NBC Sports, and every week it's like, okay, they were 13-5 and five or whatever, but Nolan Arenado's not hitting. Maybe he'll turn it around, and then they I'll lose. Nolan Arenado any day of the week. Sure, but he's, he's not hitting right now. But, okay, if you're talking about one's healthy, one's not right now, yeah, and – you can talk about the player overall, but they're, they're, they're really still hitting. they're still going to go as far as their pitching takes and cap. It's as simple as that. Well, we, it'll be interesting to see if they do do anything. If Tom greenlights more spending, I just, <laughs> I just don't believe this team's good enough, even with a tweak to the bullpen. I just don't. No, not a tweak. No, not, not to win big. They might win a series, maybe steal a second one. But there's no move out there that they could make. Even if he green-lighted whatever spending, there is no move out there that they could make that puts this team with this offense over the top, in my opinion. What if you got Mike Clevenger? Still doesn't put you over the top because you still got an inconsistent offense. I, 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 don't, I, think, you're, I think you're putting too much, uh, too much stake in that. It's really, it's really about pitching. I mean, we, hell, we saw that during the White Sox series. The day they got pitching, look, they got good starting pitching two days in a row. And until the bullpen came in in the one game, they were in that game. And then they won the other one because they got good pitching. Oh, they, they won two to one. That, John Lester on Friday night, he got his head kicked in. I'm talking about the second game when Hendricks pitched. He kept him in that game and, until it got away at the end. And then the next day, Darvish came in and pitched a gem. So – it, this is how good teams win, Cap. I mean, there are very few exceptions in the history of baseball. The t- championship teams have good pitching. This team does not. They have one ace-level guy that can win a playoff game and a second guy who can compete in the postseason and has proven that over and over again when he's on. And I don't that's, disagree with you about getting more pitching. They scored seven runs in three games when it's 94 degrees at Wrigley and watch the other team hit rocket shots off their video board. And They're Giolito awesome. didn't, didn't throw a, did he, did he, he didn't throw a pitch in that series. Who? Giolito? Giolito did not. No, throw. He, he pitched the day before. Yeah. And they still couldn't score. So Well, they, yeah. 
Gio Gonzalez, again, to Maddie's point about the left-handers, Dallas Keuchel stuck it up him one day, and then, and then uh, Gio Gonzalez came in out of the bullpen, and they, they went one for nine against him. Yeah, and Reynaldo Lopez. He stinks. Yeah. I'm just telling you, man, this offense, 2017 what, or 18, what did Theo say? Our offense is broken. And you know what they've done to fix it? Nothing. Squat. That's on them, man. The definition of insanity is watching the same goddamn movie over and over going, the ending's going to be different. No, it's not. That's just a fact. You could stick Steve Clevenger. You could stick Rocky Clevenger in there. I don't care. That offense ain't good enough. Uh, yeah, okay. The, the pitching is – I'm, I'm not going to get away from the pitching cap. Those guys, they feast in famine, like like a lot of teams in the game. Uh, so they can they can catch hold. Look, there's going to be eight teams in both leagues that make the playoffs. So they get into a situation if they if they can win the division, they'll be playing a low wild card seed with with its own depth issues, and they'll have a game or two where they break out the bats. And and if Darvish and Hendricks can can hold hold down the fort on the pitching side. They'll win series that way. But when they get against the really good teams, they're not going to win. And it's going to be because they don't have enough pitching to stay in the game. All right. Do you guys see a run coming? Do you, Last question. A run coming? Are you concerned that, hey, man, this team is going in the wrong direction because they haven't been playing well and it's only a 60-game season? Matty, is there some type of a little bit of a run coming because they haven't played well for two weeks? Yeah, I mean, I think they're due to at least perform better. We saw how dominant they were, granted, not against great teams at the beginning of the season, but that's just how baseball is. Some days your whole team is in the slump, and that's what we've seen for pretty much the past week. But I think, you know, we're going to see a little regression to the mean in a positive sense for the Cubs coming up here. You know, their, their offense isn't going to sink this bad for the rest of the season. I hope you're right, Tim. Yeah, I think I mean the five and nine stretch since I believe it's five and nine since the thirteen and three start, uh, not great. But I have seen things with the offense. I was just the one sitting here on my soapbox talking about the offense not doing much. But I do feel like there's been a lot of times recently where they hit the ball hard and it's right at somebody. You know, I think Rizzo had a, a line drive out last night that had like 114 exit velocity or something, and he had that fly ball to center that would have been a go ahead home run in the, uh, the ninth. Last night was an expected. Chance of a hit 75% of the time. Which one was that? The two balls combined. 75% of the time, those balls are base hits. Yeah, they had a couple hits that were, I think, expected averages of like 800. So I do think – I'm not blaming their offense on bad luck, but I do see some positive signs where, like Maddie said, they're due. And I think I could see them start to turn a corner here. And like I said with the White Sox, the whole White Sox lineup is hot at one time. That doesn't usually happen. And the whole lineup for the Cubs is kind of – struggling at a time, that also doesn't usually happen. So there's definitely some uh, room for regressions to mean. Gordon, you yeah. get the last word, kid. The next week they play seven games against Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, two teams that are either slumping or no good. Somewhere in that stretch, they're probably going to get Chris Bryant back. And somewhere in that stretch, Jose Quintana will, will start a game. And, and, if, and so that'll be a boost to their rotation. These next seven days should probably tell us something. And if they can take advantage of that, then there's a chance – to get on some kind of roll going forward. But the schedule gets a lot tougher after that the rest of the way. Yeah, I thought that would happen with the Tigers this week, too. Oh, yeah. Not, not great. 
But we'll find out. They're going to face Tyler Maley and Trevor Bauer. Maley, I believe, goes Friday. Bauer, the game one of starter on the doubleheader on Saturday. The other two are still TBA. That, so. that may be Darvish Bauer. That's If you want to watch a game at all in that series, that's the game to watch. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Well, you guys stay safe, stay healthy. And, Gordon, I'll see you on baseball night in Chicago. Pack a lunch, kid. I'm coming for you. Good luck. You got it. All right, for Maddie, for Tim, for Gordon, for our awesome producers, Tony Gill, Jeff Nelson, I'm David Kaplan. This has been another fun edition of our Cubs Talk podcast brought to you by Wintrust, home of Cubs checking with free ATMs nationwide. We'll see you next time. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.